Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I need to share this story with someone to unload the weight of the horrors I witnessed and to ensure that the memory of my companions is not forgotten. My name is Francis and... I am the sole survivor of an ill-fated hunting trip that will forever haunt my nightmares. It all started like any other year, with a group of seasoned hunters gathering for our annual expedition into the remote forests of Texas. 
We were a tight-knit group, bound by our shared love for the thrill of the chase and the camaraderie that came with it. Little did we know that this trip would be like no other we had experienced before. The first day began with promising signs. We encountered an elk and a bear, presenting us with opportunities to prove our skill and prowess. However, fate was not on our side, and we returned to camp empty-handed. Undeterred, we rallied for the second day, hoping that fortune would smile upon us. But as the hours ticked by, the forest remained silent, refusing to reveal its bounties to our eager eyes. Then on the third day, tragedy struck. As we set out once again, our group dispersed, each of us seeking our prey in different directions. Time slipped away, and after what felt like an eternity, I noticed an eerie silence settling upon the woods. It was as if the very essence of life had been sucked away, replaced by an ominous stillness that sent shivers down my spine. Curiosity got the better of me, and I ventured deeper into the forest, my senses on high alert. What I discovered next would forever sear itself into my memory. There, lying lifeless on the forest floor, was the body of one of our hunters. His life had been abruptly stolen by some predator, its savage claws leaving behind a gruesome testament to its brutality. As I knelt down to analyze the tragic scene, a distant scream pierced the air, echoing through the trees. Panic seized me, and I instinctively ran towards the source of the cry. What I stumbled upon next would forever shatter my soul. There, before my horrified gaze, lay another member of our hunting party, his body brutally torn and half-eaten. The carnage before me was beyond comprehension. In a state of shock, I scanned the surroundings, searching for any sign of the creature responsible for this horrifying bloodshed. And then it happened. A bone-chilling roar echoed through the forest, reverberating through every fiber of my being. I turned towards the sound, and there it stood, a cryptid, a creature resembling a werewolf or a dogman, its monstrous form etched into my mind forever. I was paralyzed with fear, frozen in place as the creature prowled before me, unaware of my presence. Time stood still for what felt like an eternity, my heart pounding in my chest, threatening to burst free. And then, as abruptly as it had appeared, the creature vanished into the depths of the forest, leaving behind only the echoes of its malevolent presence. In those harrowing moments, I made a silent vow, never to hunt again. The thrill and the thrill alone would no longer hold any appeal for me. One time for my birthday, I decided to go to this lake or hiking area by myself. It was a horrible birthday already, which was why I went out alone to rejuvenate and have some time to myself. I noticed this guy talking to two older people. He was staring at me, but I just ignored it. I eventually decided to move on and thought nothing of it. Later on, I hear someone walking behind me. Figure it's nothing, until I notice it's the same guy who was staring at me earlier. This time he's alone, so I assume he wasn't with those people he was speaking with, and he was now following me. His pace increases until he catches up with me. Keep in mind, I'm on the trail that takes me back to my car, and I'm not even halfway there yet. The guy starts trying to talk to me and won't leave me alone. He asked me to get in his car and go somewhere with him. 
I don't remember where at this point. Now I'm scared and trying to hurry back to my car. He follows me the entire way back to my car. I just kept walking and got in and drove away. It was part of the Appalachian Trail. You hear about weirdos like that all the time. I just never thought it would happen to me or at this part of the trail. It's a super family-friendly place. I never went there alone again. My friends and I decided we wanted to trip on acid for the first time in the hills, and we were going to camp out for the night. It was me plus four of girls. We'll call them alive, Sid, Madeline, and Neville. Plus we brought our male friend, Dylan, as a trip sitter. We borrowed a tent and drove like an hour to where Dylan said he had been before, and it was apparently a little private beach and a lake with ledges to jump from. By the time we got there, it was 7 p.m., but still daylight, and we set up camp and took our acid. It was fine while it was still daylight. When it started to get cold, we wanted to make a fire, but it turned out all the wood was wet, and we had no more lighter fluid because we wasted it all trying to get it going. Our friend Madeline and Dylan decided to walk back to the car to go get some supplies, but that left the rest of us in darkness with two phones on acid somewhere we had never been before. Fast forward, they got back, and we had a fire going for a while, and when it went out, we all laid back to look at the stars and listen to music. Then headlights popped up over top of this ledge that was to our right. We had to walk on foot just to get to this spot because of all the trees, so we had no idea how they were driving back there. We thought maybe it was the cops. It was a pickup truck, and it pulled up to the ledge and must have seen us. They somehow maneuver this truck down the ledge and get out, and it's a grown man and his grown son, I'm assuming, with either alcohol, vomit, or a mix of both on both shirts. The son is clearly belligerent, asking what we were doing out here while the dad stood by his truck door, silent but staring at us. He started asking if we've ever been to the bulldog or some crap, but I was so freaked out. We all were. None of us were talking to him except Madeline, who was acting like she was beyond messed up. We kept telling her to stop, but she just comes right out and is like, I'll sell my body for money. I swear to God, I cannot make this up. I've taken acid plenty of times now to know she was just acting out because there's no way one tab made her lose control like that. Thank the Lord they weren't actual creeps, because when they heard that, they pretty much got the F out of there. We packed up as soon as we saw they were gone, leaving half our crap and noticing our tent somehow had made its way into the water and already floated halfway out to the lake. We walked back through the woods with two phone flashlights. One of my friends numbed to the rocks under her feet so she was trampling them and causing her feet to bleed. The whole night was just messed up. I forgot exactly where this was, but I took a trail that went through a bit of forest and undergrowth, then down a hill to a very beautiful lake. I was mostly alone on the trail. The people accompanying me were fairly far behind. I remember it was very quiet as well, nearly no noise except for the leaves quietly rustling in the breeze. About thirty feet away from the lake's edge, I paused to see nearly a dozen dead morning doves scattered beside the trampled path. 
No visible wounds, no bites, no gore, no obvious broken bones, and no decay or insects, because it seemed to have happened shortly before I arrived. They were just laying dead. It was pretty out of the way from habited areas as well. So I have no idea if they were poisoned by a jackass with a bird feeder, but it seemed an unlikely cause due to the area being so isolated. The silence combined with this scene made it feel very eerie. This happened to my dad and brother 16 years ago outside Fernley, Nevada. Long story short, two guys tried to murder them. The long version. So my dad and brother liked to go out into the desert at night and look for snakes. Tarantulas, just critters in general. One night they were up on a hill when they saw a truck driving by. My dad blinked his flashlight at them to signal they were up there. I don't know why he did this. Maybe so they didn't get ran over or something. Well, these individuals slammed on their brakes and started unloading rounds up toward them. My father smacked my brother to the ground and started screaming at them to stop. Didn't work. So the two of them, Army, crawled toward my dad's truck while these guys were still taking pot shots. It was super dark out, so they didn't know where my dad and brother were. When they eventually made it to the truck, it stalled out. So obviously the shooters heard it and started firing at them. They hid under the truck and waited a long-ass time for a break in fire because every time they got ready to run, shots would start going off again. I guess they got to the point where they agreed. Either we make a mad dash out of here, or these guys will eventually just come up and execute us. So that's what they did. They ended up running several miles back into town. A gas station clerk called the police, but nothing came of it. To this day, we have no clue who it was that tried to murder them, or how if they had so much ammo. We're talking hours of shots ringing out every couple of minutes. My father refused to ever go out in the Nevada desert again, though. Several years ago, I was guiding here in Idaho, and I had two older clients from the East Coast who had been best friends since kindergarten. They were both kind of scared of the woods, but 20-year-old me was not scared of anything. Well, I dropped one off at a stand on the evening, and I took the other guy to a different spot. When it got dark myself and the guy I was with went back to pick up the other guy, he was laying on the ground about 100 yards from the stand. I was like, hey, wake up, it's cold out, and we should be going. He just laid there, so I, I walked up and kicked his leg, and I realized his eyes were open. My heart started pounding super fast, and I leaned down and checked his pulse. No pulse. He's dead as a doorknob. I just turned to the other guy, and I was like, well, do you want to stay here or go with me to the truck so we can call my boss on the CB? He wanted to stay with his friend. It was pitch black, and this guy was already easily nervous, so I'm surprised he wanted to stay there. Anyway, this spot is near a trail that people hike on occasionally, and ever since it seems like weird stuff happens there, I know several people that have seen and heard weird things within a mile of the spot. This guy died. I just avoid it anymore. I always thought it was weird that he was away from the stand, too when I explicitly told him to stay in it till I came and got him. Not sure why he left it. 
Always listen to your guide. They have a reason for what they tell you to do. So here's another story that's quite a bit different than that one. Last year, I'm backpacking in the cabinets with my wife and my two younger sisters. We set up camp way up on a ridge about five miles into the wilderness boundary. At around midnight, I woke up because I heard some growling. It wasn't windy or anything. The growling was maybe a few yards from my tent, and I can hear some twigs snap. I'm getting nervous about this time, so I grab my Glock in one hand and my bear spray in the other and creep out the front of my tent and knock but my undies. There's a bright moon, but I couldn't see any critters. I got back in my tent. A few minutes later, I hear some more growling, but whatever it is is just walking around the tent because now it's in a different spot. It kept happening for hours as I laid there clutching my gun. In the morning, my sisters said that they didn't sleep much because they kept hearing growling and snarling. Apparently, something even brushed against their tent. I'm guessing it was a grizzly because I've been around black bears plenty and this sounded deeper and whatever it was wasn't scared of us. It probably just didn't like us being too near. It's den. I guess the takeaway from that experience is always have a gun and bear spray in grizzly country. In around September 1984, I was driving north along the Illinois River, north of Peoria, Illinois on Route 29. I had been seeing a number of cars pulled over with the folks all looking up in the sky. I finally got curious and pulled over myself. When I did, I observed a huge vulture or eagle-like bird. When I say huge, I mean it was the size of a piper cub or tomahawk four-seat aircraft. It was dark brown or black, had the same sort of profile as an eagle or a buteo, tight bird, long broad wings, and a large tail. For an instant at first, I thought it may have been an ultralight aircraft as a landing field for them was not so awful far away. I did quite a bit of flying then, so I know how big airplanes are and how big they appear in the sky at various distances. This was no aircraft, though. As it effortlessly circled slowly above the river, I watched it for some time. Folks going by in their cars were also looking and pointing up at it. There are plenty of eagles, vultures, hawks, owls, etc. around there, and I know them when I see them. This was much, much bigger than a bald eagle. I raced back to my office, telling my co-workers what I had seen. Of course they teased me that I was smoking something. I watched the local news and read the paper for some time, but there was no mention made of it. But plenty saw it, I am quite sure. I've never seen anything like it since. I was out about 100 kilometers from the city last weekend camping with my telescope. I set everything up, start the photo timer, and go to take a nap in my truck camper while it does its thing. I wake up in a bit and go to check the time, and my, my phone is dead. I go to check the camera, and it's not taking pictures. The what was full battery is dead, so I can't see how long it has been or how many photos I've taken. I go to pack up my gear and sit down on the grass to start coiling up some cables. As soon as I sit down and stop moving, I start to hear faint music. 
Now, my first thought is there is a couple farms around, so maybe someone's having a party and the sound is traveling. But it sounds like carnival music. It's not really something I could think of, someone playing in the middle of the night. Second, the music sounds like it has been slowed down and it does not have a steady beat. I can sort of describe how it sounded, but not how it felt, like this strange back-and-forth time dilation while also being a little fuzzy and pretty quiet. It didn't particularly sound like it was coming from any direction. There was just music playing. It made the hair stand up on the back of my back of my neck, and it just made me feel so uncomfortable. I've heard music off in the distance many times in my life, and the sound of it was just different. Anyway, I pack up half my stuff, pretty much run back to the truck, and close all the windows in the camper so I can't hear anything and go back to sleep. Wake up in the morning and there's no music playing, and I'm sort of wondering if it was just some crazy dream, but I find my gear half-packed up, so I have no idea. Maybe it was some half-asleep thing going on, but I could have sworn I heard it. Wish some of my electronics were charged, so I could have recorded it, and I have no idea what time it was at. I figure it was sometime between 1 when I went to sleep and 4 a.m. when it gets light out. Because of my experience, I now record my drives. Literally less than a year ago, I was on a drive from Roach, Nevada to Sandpoint, Idaho, riding us 95. My first time, it was 2 a.m. on a Sunday, so road was literally deserted for 20 minutes straight. Not one outside source of headlights for miles. I was hitting about 80 miles per hour most of the whole way with cruise control on. With Waze as my GPS, there was a report of an object on the road, and I planned accordingly to anticipate the object. As I approached, the object in question wasn't an object, but an animal. That looks to be consuming a carcass that was bright pink, similar to a large pig. The appearance of the animal did not look like anything else. It was in a squatting position as if it had bipedal capabilities, but it was covered in dark brown fur. Keep in mind that I only had a glimpse of the animal, as my first reaction was to swerve out of the way and accelerate the hell out of there. I should have at least screenshot the Waze UI on my phone. My mom and dad bought a house that was built in the early 1900s. The house was huge, two stories with an attic and basement. We were checking out the attic. I was near the chimney that ran up an outside wall from the first floor fireplace. I saw something, couldn't reach it, ran down and grabbed a poker from the fireplace, the kind with a little hook on it. The family is watching me try to retrieve what I saw. I had the tip of the poker about 12 inches below the floorboards, struggling to hook the object when it was literally ripped out of my hands. I was 20. Four at the time, and just out of the Navy, it took something powerful to rip it out of my grasp. Everyone saw my body jerk toward the floor. My mom yelled something incoherent, then total silence. We all just stared at the base of the chimney for probably ten seconds, trying to realize what the F just happened. Then, as one got the hell out of the attic, the poker was never retrieved. We learned from a neighbor that in the 1940s the lady of the house hung herself in the basement. Maybe it was her, maybe not. Who cares I don't go up to the attic? 
flashback to 2007, I was roughly 20 years old. The drive was through a semi-rural area, a single-lane, smooth road called Kennett Pike, Delaware, Route 52, which connects Pennsylvania to Delaware. Kennett Pike also connects to Devil's Road, where M. Knight filmed the village. It was typically an eerie commute, but due to me using it often, it never truly scared me. Girlfriend at the time was riding with me in the passenger seat of my old Jeep Grand Cherokee, and we were traveling back to Delaware after dropping off my best pal in Pennsylvania, who joined us to see a movie. It was 2 a.m. at the time. We had recently crossed the state line. Despite being young and stupid, I reduced my speed slightly due to the dense fog which we had quickly entered. Before I knew it, my heart was racing. I found myself swerving as to not hit a person. In the middle of the road, it was an apparition, like woman with long, thick gray hair, covered in worn white robes with a dim glow to her entire appearance. She was kneeling down, almost completely still at first, but her torso appeared to be slightly moving, and she was slowly rising. I didn't quite get a good look at her face, but perhaps that's what makes the fear linger on. I recall saying, holy shit, did you see that? To which my girlfriend agreed, nodding with an open mouth and wide eyes. Additionally, this girl I was dating at the time claimed to have a ghost living in a room of her family's home, a room which they would seldom enter. I've had a few paranormal encounters. I'll list the two worst ones here. Both occurred in 2014. I have used Alaju before several months before this occurred. Both of these stories happened when I was in an extremely negative state of mind. I don't really know where to start from, but I'll try to explain what I think brought this on. Basically, one night I was having one of the worst nights of my life. Self-inflicted. I kept thinking about all the negative things going on in my life. My girlfriend was sleeping with my friend at the time, despite him swearing he'd never do such a thing. Blah, blah. I broke it off. I had no friends. All the friends I had were fake, so I pushed everyone away. I felt like my life was falling apart. I sat outside for hours smoking cigarettes, being a depressive mess. I finally got myself to bed, dreading the fact I'd have to wake up and go on another day. Anyway, I wake up about 3-4 a.m. I'm an insomniac, so waking up late at nights around this hour is very common for me. I know witching hour, and I really needed to pee. I got up and took a whisk. I usually shut the door as I don't want to make noise to wake my sister or anything, but I just was in the mindset of, I don't give a AF about anything anymore. Anyway, I turn around after flushing to see this seven-feet-tall, huge, black-hooded, red-eyed being. It had no body or hands. It was just pure black, even more so inside of the robe, where the body should be. The best way to describe the red eyes would be red like your generic, glowy, red-eye mammy. Best way to describe it, sorry. It turns around the corner of the hall towards me in an insanely fast manner as if it was printing, but it was very swift, as it seemed, like it was levitating or something. It had no feet or anything, and no bobbing movement like a person would be while running. 
As I'm about to walk out of the bathroom, it lunged at me with both hands of the robe stretched out towards me, and I had never felt fear so deep as I did in that moment. A huge shiver ran down my spine as I say, Oh, shit, with words, barely able to leave my mouth as I stutter and fall to the ground. With one knee and I look up to see nothing, absolutely nothing. I sprinted back to bed lights on Dr. Shutt and didn't sleep at all. Scary encounter, too. This happens a couple of months later. I wake up around 3 a.m. again, hardly able to see as no lights are on, and I see an outline of a little girl next to my bed, standing there with both of her hands to her side. I take a second to realize it's a person or ghost or something, and it has a white bed dress with long black hair over her face. She's still standing there. I freak out and start panicking. I throw a couple of hammer punches and swings with my hand as I refuse to look at whatever it is, frantically trying to turn on my light or grab my phone with my left hand swatting the table. I finally grab onto my phone and see she is still there as I shine my phone light on it. It vanishes as if nothing was ever there. I ended up falling back to sleep after the sunrise came up. Never saw it again. Sorry if I didn't write this well. I tried to describe everything in as much detail as possible. I have a couple more stories, but I think these two taught me a lesson and really pulled me out of my slump as I was terrified. I'd see that again. Feel free to question me or give advice below. It was the summer of 2019, and I found myself near Snow Lake in Washington State. As dusk settled in, I realized I was one of the few remaining visitors at the lake. The tranquility of the surroundings was interrupted when I heard my Japanese middle name being called out, a name that is quite uncommon, even among Japanese individuals. It stopped me dead in my tracks. The voice seemed to originate from the opposite direction of where I'd come from. Initially, I thought it was merely a coincidence, someone sharing the same name as me. But as the voice called out again, and then once more, doubt turned into unease. My instincts kicked in, telling me that something was not right. I grabbed my friend and urged them to accompany me back to the parking lot before darkness consumed the landscape. With only our phone lights to guide us, we embarked on the final two miles of the hike in pitch-black darkness. The whole experience was unsettling, and I vowed to only visit the area during daylight hours from that point on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Snow Lake had been a beautiful location, but the strange encounter left me wary. Over a year later, I learned of a chilling incident that occurred in the same area. A man named Brendan Nippon had gone missing along with his dog. He was a 37-year-old avid hiker, and despite extensive search efforts, not a single trace of him or his dog was ever found. There were speculations that he may have hiked further up the trail to Jim Lake, which was just under two miles away from Snow Lake. 
I had been to Jim Lake myself during the day, appreciating its breathtaking views. It's an open area, seemingly impossible to get lost in. The disappearance of Brendan Neppen struck a chord with me as I recalled my own eerie encounter near Snow Lake. It served as a grim reminder that even in the most stunning landscapes, there may be an underlying darkness hidden from view. The memory of that voice calling my name still lingers, a chilling reminder of the mysteries that lie within the wilderness. Let me share a story from the mid-80s that still gives me goosebumps to this day. It was during that time when my friend, our girlfriends, and I embarked on a road trip from Baltimore to Hampton Roads for a couple of Grateful Dead concerts. The concerts were a blast, and we were filled with euphoria as we made our way back home after the second show, which I believe took place on a Saturday or Sunday. Somewhere north of Richmond, in the desolate stretches of I-95, we decided to pull over and take a break. We found a secluded spot far enough off the road to relieve ourselves. The girls opted to go by the side of the car, while my friend and I ventured closer to the tree line. It was the middle of the night, and the surrounding area was shrouded in darkness. As we finished up, the stillness of the night was broken by a sudden and quiet whistle. It was that classic wheat woo sound, originating from the other side of the tree line. The moment the whistle reached our ears, a chill ran down our spines. We exchanged a glance of disbelief and fear, hastily zipped up and sprinted back towards the car. Our girlfriends were taken aback by our sudden urgency as we jumped into the car and sped away. They demanded an explanation, wondering what had happened. We decided to wait until we were a safe distance down the road before sharing the unsettling encounter with them. It was at that moment that we recounted the whistle from the other side of the trees, relaying our sense of alarm and the urgency to leave the area. The girls were equally shocked and disturbed by our experience. To this day, the memory of that night haunts us. We often speculate about who or what could have made that whistle in the darkness of the Virginia wilderness. Was it a harmless passerby, or did it carry a more sinister intent? The unanswered questions and the feeling of unease have stayed with us ever since that night on the side of a 95. My name is Officer Jake Thompson, and I've carried a haunting memory with me since my childhood, an encounter with an unidentified creature that forever etched fear into my heart. That memory has fueled my obsession my unrelenting pursuit to solve the mystery of its existence. Years passed, and I became a seasoned cop, but the memory of that encounter never left me. And then one fateful night, a series of bizarre animal attacks gripped the city. The detail struck me with an eerie familiarity bearing a striking resemblance to the horrors of my childhood. Deep down, I knew that the creature had returned, Convinced of its reappearance, I assembled a team of fellow officers who had also experienced encounters with the unknown. We shared a bond forged by the terror that lurked in the shadows. Each member carried their own scars, haunted by their personal encounters with the enigmatic creature. Together, we vowed to face it head, on and put an end to its reign of terror. As we embarked on our hunt, tension simmered beneath the surface. 
The weight of our shared dramas tested our bonds, stretching them to their limits. Yet we pressed forward, fueled by a collective determination to uncover the truth and protect those we swore to serve. Night after night, we tracked the creature across the city, following the trail of bizarre animal attacks. With every step, the air grew heavy with anticipation and fear. The line between predator and prey blurred as we became both hunters and the hunted. Finally, we cornered the creature in an abandoned warehouse. A palpable tension hung in the air, each member of our team ready to face the ultimate test. But as the climactic showdown unfolded, the true strength of the creature revealed itself. With terrifying speed and brute force, it overpowered us, striking us down one by one. The very officers who had once stood by my side now fell victim to the creature's relentless assault. Blood stained the cold concrete floor as the echoes of our desperate struggle reverberated through the empty space. I fought valiantly, refusing to succumb to the creature's savagery. But in the end, I too became its prey. As my strength waned, I stared into the eyes of the creature, witnessing the culmination of a lifelong obsession. It had defeated me, the last one standing. In my final moments, as darkness claimed me, I realized the true nature of my pursuit. It had consumed me, blinded me to the inevitable cost. My obsession had led to the demise of not only myself, but also those I had come to consider family. As Officer Jake Thompson fell, another victim of the creature he had sought to defeat, the city remained shrouded in the terror of the unknown. The memory of our sacrifice would fade, but the creature would linger, a constant reminder of the darkness that exists just beyond the edges of our perception. And so my story ends in tragedy, a cautionary tale of how obsession and the pursuit of the unknown can devour even the strongest among us. The unanswered questions and the lurking fears would continue to haunt the city, a reminder that sometimes there are mysteries that should remain unsolved. Randy and I were passionate explorers drawn to the allure of wilderness secrets. Our favorite spot, Bigfoot Mountain, nestled near Ripplebrook Ranger Station, carried the mystique of cryptid encounters. Eager to uncover the truth, we embarked on our spring exploration, braving the snowy landscape. March greeted us with a chill, but our determination remained unwavering. Equipped and enthusiastic, we meticulously scoured the area, seeking any sign of Bigfoot. Weeks passed, and May brought our reward. One wisty morning, a faint chattering sound halted us mid-hike. Anticipation surged as we scanned for movement. With cautious steps, we ventured deeper, attuned to every sound. And there it was, the unmistakable footprints of a massive creature. Excitement coursed through us, fully aware of the extraordinary presence. Undeterred, our curiosity propelled us forward. In June, I stumbled upon a secluded area adorned with deep systematic scratches, powerful claw marks, a clear sign of primal force traversing these woods. Fate had more in store during a solitary expedition. I reached a sunlit clearing. A hush fell and energy filled the air, and then a glimpse of movement among the ancient trees. Bigfoot emerged, a towering figure cloaked in matted hair. 
Time stood still as we locked eyes, captivated by its power and beauty. In that fleeting moment, fear, awe, and respect intertwined. Bigfoot observed me with ancient wisdom, and just as quickly as it appeared, it vanished, leaving me in profound wonder. I spent over 20 years working as a ranger in Northern Carolina, where I encountered numerous strange and even gruesome incidents. During my time there, I discovered several lifeless bodies, thankfully all leading to the apprehension of the culprits by the police. However, it wasn't these killings that drove me to quit my job and never return. It was something inexplicable, something so peculiar that even now I question whether it was a mere dream, vision, or a genuine occurrence. Allow me to recount what I witnessed from the very beginning. It was the middle of scorching August, as the sun mercilessly beat down upon the ground. Few people visited the park during the day due to the obvious reasons. I detested leaving my guard hut to conduct a tour, as it would inevitably result in profuse sweating and feeling as if I were being cooked in a pan. By my third and final tour of the day, I was already exhausted despite drinking copious amounts of water to combat the heat. I was aware that another ranger would replace me for the next ship. During my walk around halfway through, I started feeling disoriented and lightheaded. My strength dwindled gradually until I could no longer stand. Seeking respite, I settled under a nearby tree to rest and regain my energy. However, the intensity of the sun and the heat proved overpowering. That's when things began to appear surreal, as if trapped between reality and illusion. Tall, shadowy figures emerged from behind trees, moving aimlessly and at a slow pace, immobilized and struggling to breathe properly. I sat there fixated on their eerie presence. Within minutes, an uncountable number of these figures had materialized, some seemingly rising straight from the ground. Initially, they paid me no attention, merely wandering around and emitting agonizing screams, reminiscent of someone being cooked alive. Suddenly, one of these figures noticed me and slowly approached, compelled to crouch due to its towering height of over eight feet. I was petrified, devoid of the strength to react. The figure's screams persisted without pause as it positioned itself beside me, placing its hand on my cheek. I began to feel an intense burning sensation, and consciousness slipped away from me. Approximately an hour later, my fellow rangers discovered me unconscious on the ground. They promptly called for an ambulance, and upon awakening, I found myself in a hospital bed. However, my relief was short-lived as I gazed upon a fiery red handprint seared onto my skin. The sight terrified me to such an extent that I had no choice but to resign. Understandably, my superiors and colleagues never believed my account. I can't say I blame them for their skepticism. There have been several reported sightings throughout Sedgwick County, all recounted by different law enforcement officials. Although such sightings are uncommon, they do occur. On October 17, 2010, another officer who was working outside of his usual schedule had his own unforgettable encounter. While patrolling the remote areas of Wichita, he witnessed something that left an indelible mark on his memory. 
a large horned humanoid unfamiliar to him came into view. The officer's report detailed the events that transpired that morning. At approximately 7 a.m., I received a dispatch call regarding a suspicion person at an abandoned residence. Upon arriving at the location, I found no one or anything suspicious around the house. Consequently, I followed tracks leading north into the nearby woods, accompanied by Sergeant A. As we tracked, I caught sight of movement along the east hilltop through the thick brush. It appeared to be a hunched figure resembling a person moving northward behind cover. I immediately alerted Sergeant A to be on the lookout for what I had observed. Sergeant A joined me, inquiring about what I had seen as he approached. At that moment, both of us distinctly heard heavy footsteps originating from our 10 o'clock position. Despite our careful search, we could not visually confirm the source of the sound. Thus, we decided to head west toward our vehicle, where better lighting would aid our investigation. The being, whether human or otherwise, displayed exceptional caution in its movements. Both Sergeant A and I glimpsed what appeared to be an extraordinarily tall figure, standing upright but hunched over, approximately six feet in height. Its coloration seemed to be a grayish or possibly brown hue. As the being acknowledged our presence, it turned its head to the left, as if attempting to conceal itself using the surrounding trees. Sergeant Aoi asked if I had witnessed the same sighting, confirming that we shared the same experience. What we observed next froze us in our tracks. The being lifted its right arm over its head, revealing an enormous hand adorned with large black claws, resembling a paw but more akin to a human hand. Both Sergeant Day and I were startled by what we saw. To our surprise, a set of large horns protruded from its head, reminiscent of those found on a goat or ram. The sight left an indelible impression on our minds. Curiously, no reports matching this particular sighting have been documented. However, the region has seen numerous accounts of Bigfoot sightings reported by fellow officers. One such sighting was reported by a deputy sheriff who responded to a citizen's report of Bigfoot activity in the area. When the deputy arrived at the location, I accompanied him to investigate further. As my partner and I approached, we spotted something standing approximately 200 yards away. The figure, with only its head and shoulders visible, appeared non-human. It seemed to be observing something either within the vicinity or approaching from the ravine. What caught my attention were the two bright eyes positioned above the surrounding vegetation. My partner exclaimed, It's Bigfoot! In an attempt to intercept the creature before it reached Highway 54, we sprinted towards an adjacent open field. Regrettably, we lost sight of it. My partner proceeded towards the location where we had last seen it, maintaining a distance near the ravine, under the assumption that Bigfoot might still be present at the bottom of our line of sight. However, my partner reported, I don't see anything. As we made our way back toward each other, we noticed a large grayish figure peering down at us from an embankment. It seemed curious, observing our actions. The creature swiftly descended into a densely wooded area atop a nearby hillside, placing it in close proximity to the highway. Despite being deep into the open field with no trees or obstructions obstructing our line of sight, my partner and I both had a clear view of the creature as it fled from us. 
It did not move like a human, but instead appeared to be running on two legs. Its speed was astonishing, especially considering its size. I've served in law enforcement for over 22 years, and nothing else has come close to resembling the events of that day. Apart from the evidence left behind, such as footprints, we were unable to capture photographs or videos of the creature. However, my partner may have captured some footage while we were pursuing what we believe to be Bigfoot back into the wooded area. Unfortunately, his supervisors confiscated his camera, depriving us of any visual evidence. During the encounter, I was in uniform, but without my body armor or equipment belt, which sometimes proved limiting during pursuits through dense brush. I have reviewed Officer B's sighting report, which describes encountering a large, upright, grayish figure roughly 20 feet away from him near Highway 54. Just outside Sedgwick County, Kansas, on December 5, 2011. Coincidentally, this sighting occurred around the same time my partner and I were chasing a large, unidentified subject across the field. While we did not hear it running, we did hear something. Heavy moving through the tall grass nearby in a different direction. The sound was far too weighty to be that of a human. Although we did not regain visual contact, we remember seeing it about 150 yards away, looking downward. It was a day that will forever remain etched in my memory. My mother was born and raised in Texas, and she would visit her grandmother in Anna, Texas. This is a story my great-grandmother told my mother, and my mother told me. She lived out in the country and raised chickens and was a tough old pioneer woman. Her husband had died and she was alone on the farm. It was the early 1900s. She had chickens being stolen, so she had a shotgun by the door to catch whoever or whatever it was. Once, she woke up in the middle of the night to chickens making a racket. She said that she saw a very tall, hairy creature standing on two legs in the pen. She blasted one barrel at the creature and it turned to run. She shot at it with the other barrel. She insisted the story was true and had a peppered front porch railing and posts to prove it. My dad's brother had a cabin near Leroy, Michigan. He would take my brother and me to his cabin on many weekends during the year. When I was around 14 years old and my brother was 12, he taught us to hunt and fish and shoot guns. We never missed a chance to go with him as he had no children. He also had a huge German shepherd that was fearless. On one occasion, we were walking on state land with a dog. It was the middle of the day in the fall. The path we were on led us around this small hill about ten feet high. We could see over the woods. Then suddenly it went quiet, but soon it sounded like a freight train coming through the woods towards us from the hill. The dog went crazy and it took every bit of strength my uncle had to hold him back. He went up there to fight whatever was coming at us. I think I could safely say we were terrified except for that dog. It was running on two legs with heavy, pounding feet. The branches were breaking. Then, just as it should have come crashing over the little hill, it went completely silent. Nothing. The dog went quiet but kept looking at the top of the hill where this thing should have been. We waited for a bit. My uncle said we should go back. No words were spoken on the trek back, and it was never spoken of until I started watching your videos. 
There are a couple of old guys talking about an incident that happened years and years ago. My uncle's long gone, but I wish I could go back and ask him about that day. Back in 1969, during the winter, we couldn't get up the road to the cabin as the snow was too deep. We pulled over and pulled our supplies up the road in a toboggan. My dad's other brother came up with his snowmobile. We had fun until it was time to go. It was a Sunday evening as we packed up our things and trudged back down to the cars. It was dark and snowing, and my uncle had left his car keys back up at the cabin. I told him I'd walk back and get the keys. It took me about a half hour to get back up there. I grabbed the car keys and started to make my way back down the two, track through the woods. I had only gone a little way when I heard branches breaking, like something was following me down the hill. It was off to my right side, paralleling me. It was close, but I couldn't see anything. All I had was my hunting knife, so I pulled it out and began running down the hill, knowing any moment I was going to be attacked. I've never been so afraid. Just then, I heard my uncle's snowmobile coming up the hill and his headlights shining at me. He had decided I was taking too long and pulled his machine off the trailer to find me. He passed me and drove up a way to turn around. I was back at the vehicles when my other uncle came back. He asked me if I had lost my knife. I guess I dropped it in the snow running down the hill. It should have been buried in that deep snow, but my uncle said it was on top and easy to spot. I never told anyone what really happened or why I had my knife out of the sheath. In the 1980s, I was married and living in Dar, Michigan, about two hours south of my uncle's cabin. There were lots of woods and living in a nice house. One summer, in the middle of the night, we both woke from a sound sleep by what sounded like a woman screaming at the top of her lungs. My wife was terrified when she asked me if I heard that. Knowing she had heard it and I wasn't dreaming, I jumped up put my pants on and grabbed my pistol. Whatever it was started screaming again and I ran into the woods. I was shining my flashlight all over but not seeing anything. I stopped and stood still for a long time and slowly walked back to the house. I told my wife it was probably a rabbit getting caught by a fox or coyote and never spoke about it again. That scream that we heard that night was no rabbit or owl and I've heard them both. This happened around three years ago, and thinking about it still makes me feel uneasy. I live in a rural area surrounded by a nature conservation area. There are many nice paths, and it's a great peaceful and quiet place to go for walks, ride bikes. On this day, I decided to take my dog for a walk there in the evening. I didn't want to go that far. For some reason, I decided to leave my phone at home even though I usually take it with me just in case. Everything was going well, and as usual, I barely met anyone. At some point, I got to my favorite spot, a wooded area. There's a field behind it, and I planned on walking all the way to the end. Then I wanted to turn around and take the same way home. As I continued walking after I made it through the wooded area, my dog started acting strange. She kept looking back and didn't want to go on. I thought she had spotted a deer or a rabbit and wasn't concerned. I didn't look around right away. But then she let out a little growl bark. I had never heard her do that before. I turn around and sure enough, there's a man standing on the edge of the wooded area field like maybe 10 meters next to the path. 
He was fully clothed and didn't move. He was just staring at us. My heart was pounding. No matter where I would go, I would still be in a secluded area for a while. I didn't think and just started walking quickly towards the end of the field. My dog still wasn't having it. When I turned around after getting a bit further away, he had also moved. Now he was standing on the field, still staring intensely. That's when I really knew we had to get going. I didn't look back until we got to the end of the field, because of some tree as my view was obstructed. I couldn't see him, and my dog seemed a bit calmer. Obviously, I didn't want to stop for more than a few seconds, though. From there on, I decided to take to the, the path that would take me to some part of my town the quickest. We literally ran, and I was so relieved when we made it back to civilization. I have no idea what his intention was. I'm just proud of my dog for alerting me. Friend and I went camping when we were around 18. Found an awesome flat area off the side of a rather steep hill that overlooked the lake nearby. I can't remember the name of the lake. Not important. But it was large enough that we couldn't see the other side. We were there for a couple of days. We're fishing, setting a couple snares, pretty much pulling a survivorman. On the third night, we hadn't lit the fire yet. We wanted to see the stars. Being Toronto kids, we rarely got to see too many. Sure enough, moonless night, no light, source around anywhere, and there are the stars. I pointed out a few passing satellites. I miss having such great vision. He named off the constellations that he knew. We were chatting then we saw it. On the horizon, a small and very bright red dot appeared. Looked like a gun laser dot. We both sat there racking our brains and making aliens jokes. But sure enough, it was getting closer. Soon it was the size of a dime, then a quarter, but it's taken the shape of an eye, and yet it got closer and closer. We started thinking that maybe it was a forest fire or something. Maybe it really was aliens with a nervous laugh. I remember him getting his hunting knife out of its sheath, and I did the same. Ready for anything. Finally, it's the size of a football actually lighting up the area we were in. We were able to see the red glow off the trees and the lake. About here is when I realized we were looking at the rising blood moon. The lake was perfectly still, and the moon was reflecting off of it. He physically slept himself into a facepalm. We were city kids, after all.